The transfer window's open, and that means Todd Bowley is throwing money out the window. So we're used to seeing this. But will we, in this transfer window, see any of this? Let's find out, because today we're talking to the man himself on the Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Tottenham Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy. And Miguel. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven! 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 Welcome to... The Gooners Pod. Hello and welcome to the Gooners Podcast Season 7, Episode 70. A very special episode where we welcome in one of our all-time favorite guests. The one, the only, Charles Watts from Gold.com. How you been, Charlie? Uh, I'm good, mate. You can call me what you want, Mike. I call you (laughs) C-Dog. You can call me what you want. You would be my boy. You would be the first person to ever call me Sea Dog if you did, but by all means. <laughs> I think you're I gonna be it. so mad when that sticks. Like everywhere <laughs> you're gonna be like, yo, Sea Dog, the Arsenal correspondent. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that will be great for his career and he will appreciate me forever. Uh, uh, no, seriously, how you been, man? It's been it's been a while. I think uh last time we uh we saw each other was maybe August or even uh, May before that, in the usual place. It was the Tollington front garden, I think, wasn't it? Before the last, was it last game of the season? I think it was. Yeah, I think my, my daughter was over. I introduced yeah. her because she's uh, just today got her first postgraduate job in journalism. Um, Congratulations. She'll, she'll, she'll be in Phoenix, Arizona for 10 weeks over the summer. Uh, I think it's maybe 55 degrees, and that's Celsius uh, in, in there that summer, but pretty good for political journalism. But again, this is not the the alley cast. This is the the, the Charles Watts cast. So, uh, but I but I will mention one more thing that has to do with my kids, and that is my son Jake has a bone to pick with you. Um, oh, and 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 I don't think you've met him. I know you met my daughter, but uh, here in the states, no, most have, Arsenal games are. Oh, okay. Well, you know, have you met my mom yet? Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for later. Um, <laughs> Most of the games in the States are shown either on uh, like the NBC network channels or Peacock, which is the, uh, the pay, you know, the paywalled NBC channel. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing we're anywhere from two or three seconds to maybe 30 seconds delayed from what's actually happening on the pitch. 
And there have been about, I know you know where this is going. There's been about eight or nine times over the past year or two where the two of us have been watching a game and I just go vaulting like a rocket out of my seat, screaming, usually happily, sometimes unhappily. And he just gets pissed off at this point because you apparently have, you're like, in the in the matrix like you you know about the goals and have already typed out a tweet before they even happen i'm convinced so um <laughs> and 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 i should be the one showing a little bit of restraint and, and self-control but i can't do that so he uh yeah he's very man he's very angry at you. how do you get those track those tweets up so yeah the joys of the, the joys of the delay i get that all the time especially in your Euro, europe league nights when we got um everyone's watching it over here on the bt sport app and uh yeah it's about I mean, half a minute half a minute behind I mean, do I mean, you I mean, have? It's not even the delay, though. You you have them ready. You must have like a soundboard, like like some radio stations. They have all like twenty different sounds. And all they got to do is just press the button. Do you have everyone <laughs> scoring every goal of every possible kind, and you just hit send I, as soon as it happens? I don't, I don't have anything. I just literally type the name out in uh, in big letters <laughs> and in celebratory style, and and that's it. I, I'll start actually. Just mute me. Mute me for the match. Well, I've started to go on Do Not Disturb, which, I mean, just because, I mean, look, look, I'm not going to, it's your job, it's your, it, 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 you're, uh, you're there, you, I, I, I know someone that, that went to a sporting event and she was listening to it and was worried that she was going to have the event spoiled for her. Like, <laughs> she, thought, <laughs> she thought that what she was watching at the stadium was on delay, and that's a whole different conversation. But I know that's anyway, that can be, though. When I, congratulations when I games, on getting them out quick, I guess, is the, is the key yeah. to that. I would, That's I'm funny, but when you, I'm watching a game, you know, you can't, Mike. You can't just have just because Charles is on doesn't mean Sea Dog is willing to reveal all of his tips and tricks. Okay, he's got the fastest Twitter thumbs in uh, in London. So, like, let, let him be. Let him be. Don't a magician never reveals That's how true. it's done. That's true. I, I I promised Jake I would find out exactly how it's done, and I just don't think we're going to find it out. But we want to. I think we're about six minutes in and Charles has, has been allowed to talk for five seconds and that's on me. And we're going to stop that. Now we have a lot of questions from the chat. Uh, we, we definitely want to get to as many of them. We can just do us a favor. And, uh, and, and, and none of that Mike hers and, uh, and none of, uh, you know, no, no Mudrick news. We're going to get to Mudrick news. We're going to get to Felix Felix news, but, we obviously got to start off with uh, with the Ukrainian and and what the latest is going on there. I'm not super worried about it, but should I be? Uh, what you mean? Super worried about what? If he's going to come this, or not? Yeah, I mean the Chelsea thing, the 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 uh, whether Mudrick's actually going to be forced to stay in Ukraine for another six months until the summer. I mean, where what is the latest? As we've seen a number of different, uh, you know intentional press releases over the last couple of days yeah well as far as i know with it is you know he's arsenal's bid twice both been rejected shakhtar are not budging at the moment on their valuation which is 100 million euros 88 million pounds that's what they want and if they don't get it then my understanding of the situation is that they're more than willing just to stop the talks postpone it until the summer and then revisit them whether that's a sort of bluff at this stage of the window and that some a stance will soften as you get later on into January especially given how much Mudrick clearly wants the move it might be it might be a bit of a double bluff I think the Chelsea thing's not going to help Arsenal and today I mean we're in the second half of the game against Manchester City at the moment they've lost uh, Pulisic and Sterling, Sterling to injury in the first half 
staff both gone off. And <laughs> the way Todd Bowley operates, he's probably chucking 200 million pounds at Shakhtar as we speak and a 15 year contract for Mudrick. So well, <laughs> that's not, that's going to complicate the issue a little bit, but I mean, I don't, I, I can't see Arsenal going to 88 million and it, and that's 88 million with add-ons. It's not, you know, just a straight fee of 88. That's what they're looking for. They're still very much pointing to Anthony to Grealish as the, um, the fee, but I can't see Arsenal doing that. I think there's going to come to a point this month that there has to come to a point where Arsenal would say, okay, it's not happening. We're going to walk away. We're going to move on to other targets because they clearly need to bring in someone else. And if it's not going to be Mudrick, at some point this month, they're going to have to move on to someone else. Now, granted, I think that our last um, offer was like 42 million plus add-ons, if I'm not mistaken. I think the biggest uh, part of that deal structured is that they want a lot of it up front, correct? Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that we're all worried about Chelsea, but wasn't Chelsea with the Enzo Fernandez deal exactly not able to land him because they weren't willing to put the money up front? And is that something that uh, that should go into the consideration on whether this transfer will happen or not, whether, whether or not Arsenal are willing to front load those costs like Shakhtar want? Potentially, but I mean, the, the Enzo Fernandez, I mean, that was huge money up front. They wanted to release clause. It was about 120 million up front or something. And this is not going to be that. It would be, I imagine, you know, you're probably looking at 50, 60 up front and then the, mm. the rest of it structured over the next few years. Um, so, I mean, it, it might come into it, but I, I still, I still feel that, although at the moment it's not looking great, I, I'm not in a panic I'm, i wouldn't panic about it just yet it's only january the 5th there's a long there's a long time to go this month and you know arsenal absolutely want to strengthen and mudrick's priority so and talks haven't been cut off yet they're still very much talking i mean the shaktar sporting directors in london at the moment and um you know that's and talks going to continue so it's just a case of if they can get a structure of this deal right or not i think i think the fact that mudrick is so keen to join arsenal it has to play into their hands it has we to it has to be a good a good selling point for Arsenal that the player is that keen to make the move. Certainly, and and we've seen we've seen player power really increase over the last five or ten years. I mean, it it it, it is very rare that you see a player agitate for a move, whether you know more so than this, which I think would be hard to imagine, or even more subtly than this, and not mm -hmm. end up with that move. Um, and you know whether it's uh, you know I guess the last case of that happening was Peter Odemwingi. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you just you just don't see these things not end up happening, and and I'm wondering, I mean, and and along with Matt Lacasse's question, has Arsenal played any other hands in this game of poker? Are have are other than maybe the Jao Felix thing? Is are there any other realistic targets out there where, you know, the club and or the supporters can look at it and say, you know what, if we don't get Mudrick, then it's another disciplined move, like like not pushing out the wheelbarrow for for Isaac last year and mm -hmm. we'll get somebody just as good or better behind them i mean i guess that, that's I mean, two questions is there a backup and what amount of player power do you think really exists here with with mudrick to to force this move now or this summer and and repel the chelsea advantage uh, you know advances in their money I mean, I'm sure there is a backup. I, I don't know who it is at this point, but I'm sure that there has to be the way that, you know, the clubs operate. They'll have number one, number two, number three. They'll have them all written down on in Edu's wall. Um, but it's just a case of at what point do you move on to those other targets? We're not at that point yet. And um, I don't expect to be at that point. Like immediately, I think this, might, this could have the potential to rumble on for quite a bit longer yet. 
It's a big dilemma for Arsenal, though. I mean, you're, you're talking about committing to an £88 million package, even if that is uh, structured over a few years, for a player. He's played he's, it's like 23 senior appearances in the league and you know, never outside of Ukraine. He's only got eight international appearances. It's, I mean, it's £88 million for someone who's played 23 league games. It's... It's huge. I mean, someone said there, Liao, I saw pop up, but I, I'm not sure that's realistic either because I, I, I probably imagine that Liao would be more expensive than Madrid, to be honest. <laughs> I can't imagine AC Milan letting him go for for less than sort of around the, the 90 million, 100 million mark as well. So um, the, thing, the thing with Arsenal is they're very clever in the transfer market now. They've got a clear plan, which is great because it's been too long that they didn't have that plan. They have it now. And they're not going to move away from it. So I don't think they're going to panic. We saw it this stage last season in January when they didn't panic and they didn't bring in a replacement for Bamiyang because they couldn't find a player that they wanted and they were willing to wait for Jesus in the summer. And I don't think they'll panic this summer, um, this, this month either, when it comes to Madrid. Um, um, I, I actually on that, I actually have a specific question about that because, you know, when we're looking at players, like say um, you're looking at strikers, for example, some strikers are traditional number nines, some play all over the pitch, different, different people have different skill sets. And I think that exists also with the Arsenal um, transfer team. Right. And one of the things that I would note is, whereas I think Arsenal are incredibly good at identifying talent and sticking to their guns. We have noticed over the last few years, a couple of times when Arsenal maybe don't necessarily get the deal done, or maybe they take a little longer. Like we're talking about the Douglas Luiz situation at the, at the tail end of last year, we had Vlahovic. Um, there've been several times. Telemans is another example. There've been okay, several yeah. times. Yeah. It, there's several times where it looks like um, maybe even though we may have our, targets identified maybe we don't move on to that plan b soon enough so that we can get them in and at a reasonable time are you worried at all about that maybe happening that we won't won't move to plan b fast enough so that we can get because i think that what's most important right now right is that we have Saka martinelli and eddie and Kedia, and that's it reese nelson is injured hopefully um hopefully esr will be back for the oxford game and we don't know when jesus is going to be back so we mm -hmm. actually are incredibly light so i think that especially considering that some players going to have to bet in, right? We need to get a player in as quickly as possible. So do you worry that maybe we'll spend too much time on the Mudrik deal if that if um, Shakhtar aren't willing to move off that valuation? I'd, to be honest, I'd be more worried if they just went out and thought we're not going to get Mudrik, we're just going to sign someone for the sake of it because I'm, mm. I'm kind of fed up with Arsenal doing that. And they're not doing it now, and I like that. And you know, Mikel's made it really clear in like a couple of press conferences ago when he said we don't just need a body; we need someone who's going to make us better. And I think that's what Arsenal is. That's the way they're working now. And I mean, you talked about some of those previous players like Rafinha. They went for him, but it was clear, obviously, it's kind of like Mudrik. Now he wanted Barcelona. That was the only place he was going to go. If Barcelona fronted up the money, they were going to get him. Tielemans they've never bid for. He's always been in, they've been interested in, but they've never once actually made a bid for Telemans, as far as I'm aware. Um, and Douglas Louise, Douglas Louise, they bid for, but again, they didn't panic when Aston Villa said no, well, we're not going to sign him then. And which was quite right because within a couple of months, party and party was back and playing. Douglas, Douglas Louise wouldn't be playing for Arsenal now, and you'd have given someone a five year contract and spent, well, I mean, Villa wanted huge amounts of money for him. and It just wouldn't have been worth it. And that's money that would be taken out of the transfer pot for players 
who are worth it. And, you know, Arsenal can't go out and just spend as much money as they want on anyone because they've not got that sort of owner. They've not got that ownership model. So they've got to pick and choose when they spend big money. They've got to make sure now that they get it right. Because if they get it wrong, if you have another Nicolas Pepe situation, for example, then you're screwed, really, for Arsenal. Because you've taken all that money out of the out the budget and you haven't really improved the squad or improved the improved the options that Arteta's got. So I think I'd be more worried if they just went out and signed anyone for the sake of it right at the end of the window because they didn't get Mudrick. I'd rather them spend a bit more time right now trying to get this deal done, trying to get it structured the right way um, and I th- before moving on. And I think that that we've learned that, you know, part of this entire plan and part of what's given us the flexibility to have the big summer that we did, uh, you know, and bringing in five players, I believe, um, and and pretty much doing the same the previous summer was our contract discipline, our newfound contract discipline, both on, you know, terminating existing contracts that were killing us and not getting sucked back into new ones that were going to do the same thing all over again. Um, I think for that reason, many people last January were willing to accept the fact that we, we didn't panic buy. Um, I don't know that as many people would, I mean, no one wants to panic buy, but I think the sentiment this season is we are in with an even better chance now uh, for something even more special than top four. Let's not blow our opportunity by finding ourselves thin again. It's not about our first team. It's about our second team and our depth. And, you know, so, you know, I guess if we end up in January without a, without a signing, I, I almost said a big signing, but that would, what I'm specifically saying is without additional depth that is better than the depth we currently have now, I think it would be more an identification, not that we didn't sign the right players, but that we didn't have enough players in the pipeline working on those deals all throughout January mm-hmm. uh, to to get a deal done with somebody that was on our preferred list. Uh, whether it's even no, I know, I, I agree, I, I do agree, and I think it was very apparent in that Newcastle game when you looked at the bench that you know there was there was no one there who could really change it. But you didn't bring on Vieira, and I'm not surprised to be honest, which maybe is a bit of a slant on Vieira, but. It was such a physical game, and I just don't. I don't. I didn't look at that and think Vieira is going to come on and make a difference in the second half. I just. I just didn't see it. And you know, he's still betting in. He's still adjusting. I think he's a talented player, but I don't think that was the game for him the way it was playing out. So you're I bringing in a guy who weighs less than ten stone and uh, isn't known for his his hardness. I guess is yeah. Uh, yeah with the rotational gonna... fouling. Yeah. 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 It, I don't. It, think, it I don't think he would have changed that game. But it was. It was clear there was no one. You know, you you sort of. Obviously, you've got your your striker who you would normally bring on if you need a goal uh, to help try and get a goal. You've got him already starting because Jesus is injured. Obviously, you've got no Smith Rowe who'd come on. You know, if you looked on that bench and you had Inketia and Smith Rowe on the bench and you had Jesus starting, then it would there would be more options. So they clearly do need a stronger squad. There's no doubt about it, and it was pretty apparent in that Newcastle game. And, one last one last quick comment about Mudrick, and then we'll move on to other names and other other topics. Um, Again, the the the, dot, the 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 actual amount of the transfer, the if it's eighty eight million pounds, if it's sixty six million pounds, if it's structured this way or that way, you've got camps of people who are like, I don't care, you know, it's not my money, I don't care. I hope the club just spends whatever they need to get the player. And and while I don't subscribe to that, what I do subscribe to is if they do and Arteta feel that the player is worth that much money, they've earned my you know, blind trust almost for the time being, um, they've earned my ability to say, you know what, he, he must be, they must see something in him that really convinces us that this would be a missed opportunity if we don't, you know, if we don't do it. 
So I wouldn't be disappointed if we spend 80, 85 million, but I don't think the player is worth 85 million. So, you know, are Arteta and Adu driving this with, you know, look, we'll get it done if you really, really want him. Or is there an edict that's basically saying, we'll, we'll buy him if he's 65. We're not going to buy him if he's 75. I mean, I'm sure Arteta, will, Arteta would have him whatever he costs. I don't think Arteta wouldn't care about, <laughs> about the money. It would be, it would be uh, the, those above him will be looking at the sort of value that, that he, they would put, potentially go to. So I'm just looking at Man City have just scored. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea. we all saw. Yeah. Um, Was it Grealish, the 115 million uh, uh, euro player? Uh, it wasn't. That help it me. was. No, I think it, it was Mares, wasn't it? Mares. Okay. Yeah, it was Mares. Um, so yeah, I mean, Arteta will be pressing for it. I mean, every single press conference he he's in, uh, it's hilarious. He's you know he doesn't he doesn't mince his words. He's calling for for more additions every single press conference he is. So he's in. Um, but the club will clearly have a value. Look, I, I mean, I'm with you. If if they agree to spend 88 million on him, then fine with me. And I, I <laughs> really really want Madrid because I think he's a fantastic player. Followed him for the last few years. I saw him for the first time when he said, must, must have just come into the team as like a 19 year old. I flicked on Champions League in Shakhtar playing at the Bernabeu. And I tweeted it at the time. I was like, who is this? I, I, I saw this blonde haired kid running down. He just looked brilliant straight away. And I, I had to search like. It's a Ukrainian uh, Kaya Kainak, basically. Yeah. I had to like, say <laughs> Shakhtar six, number 62. And obviously, I saw it as Mudrik. I was like, who is this Mudrik? He looks brilliant. It's just straight away, you just your eyes are drawn to him because of his low center of gravity, the pace that he runs at the ball. So excited. And um, and I'm not surprised Arsenal are desperate to sign him. He looks like he could come in and make a huge difference. Whether he would necessarily be the type of player to come in in January and help them win the title I'm not so sure I mean I was thinking about it today and this is you know mm. if you've got a choice now in January to help you get over the line to win the title at this point Mudrik or Zaha who helps you win the title more if they come in now mm, I, agree, I agree with you that it's probably Zaha but I just have this thing about Zaha where I I, I just I, I want. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying on, don't on sign him. I'm not saying yeah. sign him, but it just it right. Just, no, well, he's got the he's got Premier League experience, and he just basically yeah. picks up where he left off with better players yeah. around him in a title chase. Exactly. I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, I still don't think Zaha gets in a, a, ahead of Saka or Martinelli, but we've got two games a week coming up, and he yeah. definitely helps us get deep in the Europa League. But I don't Which think that, I don't think I don't think Mudrik gets in ahead of Saka or Martinelli either. No, I don't. I don't either. I, I think we have enough games that that they can that that they can help each other preserve their legs for what is ultimately going to be 180 minutes a week for their, a large portion of the next four months. So, which is actually ironic because a little bit of the talk around Mudrik and going to Chelsea, one of the arguments being presented is, will he actually get more game time at Chelsea than at Arsenal? And that's one of the for the first time in a very long time. That's a very interesting question because he he might just you know with Pul- uh, Pulisic going down, Sterling going down in the game today, he may be starting for Chelsea next week. Um, versus here, he may you know it may take him. A couple of weeks to get his starting point but i wanted to say i wanted to say something um i wanted to ask you something about our transfer strategy in general and stuff like uh stuff like this right we've seen a lot of obviously mudrick on, on mudrick's side saying you know um liking that liking that image or you know 
showing that he's watching Arsenal games. And I know that that obviously affects it, but what's actually strange is, like you say, Arteta actually doesn't talk about Mudrik directly. He says that we need transfers in. Now, is that a little bit of a misstep? Should Arsenal do more to try to unsettle the situation like via like a Barcelona or like a Chelsea who might say, you know, they're really holding him? Should we be playing that angle more? No. Should we continue to do the way that we're doing? And I, Personally, I think it's a little bit of a classier way to move. I think it, it also makes our it holds our cards a little closer to our chest. But should what do we, you think should about? We send, yeah, should, should we be sending uh, Stan Kroenke over there with an Arsenal jersey to just force over the top of his head? <laughs> yeah, talk about how we're business class or something. No, absolutely not. I can't. I like the way Arsenal operate. I mean, you look at what Chelsea have done with Fernandez. Um, now, when you see the Benfica manager calling him out today, you know, you don't want that happening if you're Arsenal. You don't want a manager sitting there and slacking you off to the worldwide media for, for six minutes, do you? It's, uh, it's just embarrassing, really. So, no, I, I'm quite happy with the way Arsenal operate. Arsenal's a club that's, you know, born out of class. It has done for 100-odd years. So, no, I don't want to see him changing. And uh, and I, I know we, we always have to ask Arteta questions in a press conference. We know what he's going to say beforehand, but you always still have to try and get something out of him. He never never plays ball. Some managers do, some managers don't. This is clearly his stance, but I, you know, I'm perfectly happy the way Arsenal operate publicly when it comes to transfers. My final question on Mudrick Part 2 is uh, you talk about character. <laughs> we talk about class, the Arsenal way. Um, I know a lot of people who are big fans of Arsenal and not big fans of how Mudrick is acting right now even though it is to the presumed benefit of, of Arsenal. Given that Mikel Arteta is such a character guy, is there any, I mean, is he looking the other way on this and saying this is making our lives easier? Or is he like basically looking at this as, as a potential future, you know, occupation hazard uh, that this guy has this level of immaturity, if you want to call it that? Mm -hmm. I think he's probably looking the other way because he wants it. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm hoping, but uh, but you know the question has to be asked because he's yeah. he's got non-negotiables, and I would imagine uh, you know if anyone was in the Arsenal squad making eyes like that and liking photos and posting memes about Real Madrid, that that wouldn't yeah. sit so well with Arteta. But I you think know, it's I think a, the thing with Mudrik is he you know he very nearly got his move to the Premier League last summer, and he thought he was going to get his move, and again Shakhtar blocked it at the kind of last minute really, and I think there was probably some sort of agreement there that okay maybe just wait wait stick it out a bit help us in the champions league group stages and go and we'll have a look in january and now suddenly you know he's had this huge price tag put on his head that's prevented him getting a bit of a dream move so i'm not surprised he's a bit bit annoyed about the situation probably probably well he shouldn't be doing what he's doing probably it's not ideal and i'm, I'm sure shatar must have been fuming with the jail one because that's it's like, when, it a it's like bit. when you know if, if you have a son who's like a teenager or something like when they do something that they really shouldn't be doing and you're supposed to be angry at them but you're kind of like <laughs> you know you just laugh at it because because yeah. you know it's funny and and you know that's that's how i look at this Mudrick situation i mean i know what he's doing is unprofessional but because mm -hmm. it makes me happy that he wants to come to arsenal i'm willing to overlook it you know i'm not a perfect man i don't think any of us are speaking of things that are making us laugh have you guys checked this out Aubameyang was actually subbed on in the fifth minute and he's now been subbed off for amari hutchinson in the 65th minute what yeah. what world are we living in right now one where abba sucks I wasn't when he came on i was hoping he was going to do something and do us a bit of a favor but not to mm. be Maybe Omari Hutchinson will. Yeah. Well, we do have other targets to talk about, right? Um, yeah. Mikey, you wanted to get in. 
the the last 20 or so minutes of the show we're going to talk about a couple of targets we want to get to some of your user questions we got some of those uh before the show uh we've we've identified a few so far if you have any questions for charles please put a uh put them in the chat with a q um and uh and we'll try to whip through those over the next 20 minutes or so and be out in time for the big 10 o'clock show with the fa cup of football phrases which you won't want to miss so um shoot aston yeah, well, obviously, this is the big one, right? Um, Atletico, Madrid, Atletico Madrid are asking for what looks like a $21 million loan deal package with a $16 million loan fee with $5 million covering the wages. Apparently, wow. United United have been offered up to, I think, $3.5 million. Obviously, you're the journalist. You probably have the inside scoop more on that. Is this a deal when you were talking about just moments ago – uh, talking about the title challenge, is Felix actually one of those short-term options that you would take maybe over Zaha for that title challenge, even though like you're not going to own him at the end of the season? Is that is that something that is even worth looking at? Does it is the opportunity cost of winning the league worth it in this situation? If he comes in and does a business, yeah, but I'm not convinced he would. Mm. Uh, you know, I've not seen much from Fida. I, I think he, he had a good World Cup and he's, he's, he's a decent player, but I'm not sure he's someone who comes in in the middle of the Premier League season, having never played in the Premier League before and wins wins Arsenal the title. Uh, again, I still think that Zaha would make more of an impact for this season than, than getting him on alone, but... The, the Felix one's weird. He's been offered around to everyone. This isn't just a case of Arsenal being interested in him. And I'm not even sure potentially how strong Arsenal's interest is. He's just someone who's there. He's available. He could be a short-term fix because of what Atletico are willing to let happen this month. But his agent's just doing around trying to get him a move at this stage. He'll be talking to everyone. It won't just be Arsenal. It won't just be United. It'll be Chelsea. It'll be other PSG. It'll be clubs across Europe just to try to get him out of Atletico because of the breakdown in relationship with these happens to me only. So, I don't think it's a case of, you know, he is absolutely Arsenal's number one target behind Mudrick. It's just he's a player who potentially is available, who the agent is floating around to various clubs to see if he can get a taker at the moment. Again, I wonder if that fee that potentially Atletico are looking for could potentially come down the later on in the window that we get, because it feels like a lot. I mean, 20 million for a player for six months who has never played in a Premier League before. It just feels like a lot. And you're not, you know, there's no no purchase clause at the end of that i don't know it feels it feels like a lot of money to me on that one and so i'm, I'm not convinced by, I mean, by turn, i'm not comparing the players but we turned down the opportunity to get or or we were trying to get douglas louise for what 25 25 30 on a permanent deal um uh, and we're gonna go spend 20 that we'll never see back on i i mean look i, I just i don't buy the whole but if you spend it and we win the league, then it was well worth it because you're just forgetting about the part that if you spend it and we don't win the league or we clearly don't win or lose as a result of him. I mean, we would, you know, we didn't lose the league because we got rid of Aubameyang last year because Niketia did anything, you know, if anything better than Aubameyang was doing. We did it because we we had issues and, and depth problems at the back, not really with our attack. Um, and I just, you know, if it gets you the league type of scenarios, spend whatever money you have to, you know, it, it isn't about the financial return because winning the league versus finishing second nets you like 3 million pounds. Uh, it isn't really about that. Uh, it, it, I just don't buy that. You, you have to look at the next four, five, six years as opposed to just the next six months when we're buying players. We just don't want to get caught in a situation where, you know, where we're starting 
you know, we're re, uh, recalling Fuller and Balogun. I mean, is that even a possibility? Uh, I, I think that I think that's yeah. off, right? We can't actually recall him in the middle of the middle of the season. I think that's probably better for his development, seeing as that the way that he's blowing up over there. The one thing I'll say about Felix, though, is that he actually statistically profiles almost identically to Jesus. So there is a, a question of whether he'd be a little plug and play. But the more interesting part about this is it feels like pre-COVID, uh, we had this huge inflation in spike in the market where we were just paying insane money, um, especially in England for different players. And it kind of came down during the COVID period because there were financial restrictions, obviously the loss of revenue and all those things. But it feels like with this Felix deal and with this Mudrick deal that we're right back at that, like super hyped, all these players are coming on um, being valued at these astronomical fees. Like, is this just going to be the way of the world now? Or, or are these just two outliers? I think it's it's the kind of the way of the world when it works. Certainly, if you're a mm. Premier League club, it's the way of the world because if you're a Premier League club and you go sniffing around someone's player, they're gonna you, your price doubles pretty much. And when you have got Chelsea paying the sort of money that they've been paying for players, at Man United going out and you know signing Anthony, who was massively overpriced. Let's face it, we all knew it. Everyone knew it. <laughs> Everyone knew it. I'm not that's not a dig at him. I think he's a good player, but he's never worth the money that they paid for him. And those sort of deals I've don't. I've not when heard of him before that transfer was completed. Like I literally had no idea who that guy was, and then they. I mean, Ajax right, would be laughing, and Jack Tar will be hoping Arsenal do what Man United did because they kept rejecting, kept rejecting, kept rejecting, kept, and then right at the end, United are like, oh, sod it, we'll, we'll we'll give you what you want, and. That's what Shakhtar are hoping for. And fair play to them. They're the selling club. They, you know, they can value them at whatever they want. So I do think if you're a Premier League, if you're a big Premier League team, you've got to you've got to expect that if you go sniffing around someone else's player, then it's going to cost an awful lot of money. And I think if you, if you, especially if you're buying Premier League to Premier League, which has seems to start happening a lot more recently. You know, clubs now, even in the mid-table, they don't need to sell. They've got so much money. They don't need to sell. They've got so much money coming in from all the TV deals. They're not under any pressure like they used to be. When a big team came knocking, it was always it was kind of like, oh, it's like Southampton, you know, Liverpool going and raiding Southampton time after time, like, like it did all that, all those years ago. It's just not going to be the case now. Or certainly, the, those the clubs aren't just going to let it happen cheaply. They'll pay. They'll say, oh, "Fine, you want our player? You give us fifty million, sixty million. So, you know, quite unrealistic price tag." So I do think it's just it's just a way of the world if you're a Premier League club now. Does that mean that somebody at PSV Eindhoven needs to be sacked like immediately? Like, how did they? Yeah, you know, I, I think the price is reasonable for it's it's, it's, in a vacuum, but in the in the market we're in, I mean, they, they didn't. They, they wait three more weeks, and I bet you they get an extra thirty million pounds for him. There, there must have been some sort of agreement in place beforehand. I'm sure. I mean, it's. To, fantastic deal for Liverpool especially on the back of a World Cup like, I mean, you see players have World Cups like Gakpo had and their value is just boom, to get them for what they did I mean it's and he's still a lot of money his contract, so it's not one of those yeah. type of deals I mean it... It, it's still a lot of money for a relatively untested player on the world stage but it's, it is a good very good deal from, from Liverpool and I'm sure there must have been some sort of agreement I mean, if you're Arsenal you're, and you're talking to Shakhtar you point at that right. deal all day long don't yeah, you, like, you say well look, look, look what you've done you know, on the international stage, he's played in, albeit Holland's not the best league, but it's still a stronger league than potentially the Ukrainian league, and they're getting him for forty million. So, what are you asking for double that for uh, for Mudrik? So, you, you would be pointing at that. But again, I mean, a player's only a player's worth what the selling club wants at the end of the day, or what the buying club deems deems that they're going to spend. And 
it's, it's you can argue about price tags all you want can't you but at the end of the day it's 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 just the market and it's what the selling club will demand and what the buying club will put up yeah. no, I think no, players time... are worth, no players are worth what they what they go for are they no one's worth the money sort of money that they're going for now unless you unless you're talking about a harland or someone like that and then they're worth every penny because you know what you're getting but you're taking a risk. I mean, you sign in Mudrick, you're taking a massive risk. You could absolutely bomb. <laughs> and, you know, there's no guarantee. He looks good. He's an exciting talent, but he could absolutely bomb. So you're taking a massive risk. And there's very few players that you're not taking risks on. Yeah, and, and that's why it's wild because the Gakpo thing, like you were saying, I mean, if you look at Gakpo, the, the, his goal scoring in the Eredivisie at least kind of warrants like a, a little bit of a transfer, but it, it, but yet we saw him go for so low. Do you think that maybe that has to do with, again, Liverpool we saw do a similar thing where they're front-loading a lot of that cost? And maybe is that the way that we're – maybe that's going to be the way that we can drop the value of these deals. Like a lot of teams are expecting money up front very quickly. Again, you I referenced the Enzo Fernandez deal. Yeah, potentially, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not aware of this sort of ins and outs of the Liverpool Gakpo deal. I, I still feel mm. like that that there must have been some sort of prearranged agreement with Gakpo mm. uh, at the start of the season or something to um, to let him go at a certain price because it just feels like they've got him on the cheap. Liverpool there and PSV they, very much so because if anybody, yeah. I mean, I've seen him play against a couple of Premier League teams, Leicester and of course Arsenal, a couple of times, and and he wasn't particularly dominant. But he was in the other league, in the uh, in the you know in the Dutch league, and I think anyone who might have had reservations about his ability to step up saw him in the World Cup do exactly that. So mm-hmm. that would have pushed me over the edge, and I thought that that was the impetus for a bidding war that would make him unreasonably priced for a team like Arsenal, where I thought a forty million pound player just became a seventy million pound player, and then he goes for just about forty. It, it's, it's maddening. But uh, before we get to user questions, just in general. What and I, I I hate asking this type of question, but I mean, what not who, but what do you think the player total will be uh, in January? Do you think we're signing zero, one, two? Uh, I mean, we we haven't even talked about some rumors that are coming up on Declan Rice and 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 midfield uh, replacement. They're, they're definitely not signing Declan Rice in January. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, uh, I I assume that was going to be the outcome. So Andy Rhodes, your uh, your your dreams are over. Um, but, uh, I mean, do you think we're going to do some business and, and, uh, you know, what, what I think do you they're think gonna they're going to try? They're certainly going to try. I mean, whether you can get it over the line, it's, it's impossible to, to say because it will depend if they can get them over the line or not, but they're going to try. And, um, but they are, you think the club knows what the reaction is going to be if they don't sign anybody. And again, I, I, I fully agree with you about the, you know, don't just bring in warm bodies for the sake of bringing mm-hmm. in warm bodies thing, but yeah. if they and January the way they'll they be aware them. yeah of course of course they will but I don't think that will pressure them more to actually get it done I don't think if you're a if you're you know a business that operates with no sort of money you can you can just go and get it done because of the reaction that not getting it done would do if you see what I mean so um they'll be well aware and they will try I I, I still think maybe two players I, I wouldn't be surprised still if I hate just saying this because it's just going to end up getting clipped up by the aggregators and put out all across Twitter. Charles Watts says oh, it. Oh, no, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm putting surprised the editing if, software on right now. So yeah, I bet, I bet you are. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they... I would not if, do you know, that to you. If they, if they look at, you know, potentially a midfielder as well as 
because I, I still think you, if you're looking at this squad over the second half of the season and you're putting a big red flag over someone who's going to potentially get injured that could just disrupt everything, it's Thomas Party. I mean, Arsenal lose Thomas Party to an injury for two months, which we've seen happen time and time again since he's arrived at the club, then, I mean, he's so important to how this team plays. And I think Elneny's a good player, he's a good professional, blah, 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 like everyone says about Elneny, but he's not Thomas Party. he's not close to Thomas Party. And I think, <laughs> I think, I think, if, I think it, so I, I, I would, you know, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if Arsenal aren't potentially looking at doing something for a midfielder if they can. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think if you're going to say number, I, I, in my mind, I've got two, but, you know, it might be one, it might be none. We, have to, we just got to wait and see how it all plays out. And if you're if you're just listening to this podcast, you've missed an incredible visual only um, breaking news tip that's come out of this. So you're going to have to go and subscribe on YouTube to watch it to find out. But um, so so speaking speaking of midfielders, though the the Declan Rice situation, and I know I don't like to put a lot of credit on that because he's the one player where I think that if West Ham let him go in the middle of the season their fans will riot. They will literally burn down the stadium. But there is a lot of smoke being said. Uh, we were talking about transfer fees going up, up, up. Well, there's a lot of reports saying that he'd actually, instead of the $100 million valuation that they're looking at, closer to a $75 million valuation. Is this something that you're hearing on the ground? Is there actually any smoke here? Like, is something happening? Or, or are, we just, are we just in la-la land? I don't. I don't even see the. I don't. I haven't even seen the report. I've seen mention, like rumor, and speculation, but I've not seen any actual definitive reports saying that Arsenal are interested in Declan Rice from it from anywhere of substance. It's just exactly. West, West Ham. West Ham are in a relegation battle. They're not going to get rid of their captain and their best player in January. They'd be bonkers. I fully expect he'll go in the summer. Declan Rice and. Um, you know, I'd love Arsenal to be interested. Now, I've not heard at all from anyone. I've never had Declan Rice mentioned uh, at all. It just doesn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm convinced doesn't... he'll go to Chelsea. I'm convinced he'll go to Chelsea. And, and that's just a hunch. That's not based on any actual info I've had. But he, I've, felt, I've just thought for ages he'll end up at Chelsea when he does make the move. And, um, and that'll be in the summer. It's not going to happen this month. I mean, West Ham could not. Can you, can you imagine if you get rid of the Rice in January? It, it, it's just not going to happen it, unless someone, maybe Todd Bowley, throws 150 million at him or something this in January. I just can't. I can't see it. It's not going to be Arsenal. I, I look forward to it actually happening now. Me, this clip being plastered across everything for, forevermore. But <laughs> no, we're going to save that for the Charles Watts v the Gerbil uh, uh, special that we're that we're planning on doing at the end of the transfer window. So. Um, Okay, so uh, let's let's get into some user questions first. Just a, a, a transitionary, uh, sad wave goodbye to one of the all-time greats uh, on the Arsenal mm -hmm. women's side. Um, Unai Emery's done it again. Emmy Martinez has done it again. They've 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 stolen Jordan Nobbs. Um, but uh, I, I saw that you, uh, you you tweeted something about it earlier today and. Was this a surprise uh, in the timing and 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 how it happened, or was this in the works for a while? I mean, it was it was a surprise. Uh, it was a surprise, definitely, just because you think of Jordan Nobbs, you think of Arsenal, don't you? But she needs she wants game time. She needs game time, and it's I think it's pretty becoming pretty apparent that you know regular game time if she wants to stay in around the international picture, then she needs to play and um, you know, should get some game time still at Arsenal, but. 
you kind of, they're kind of moving in a bit of a different direction now, aren't they? So uh, in one way, it's a surprise just because she's been there for so long. She's been such an influential figure in the club and then suddenly she's gone. But um, from a sort of purely professional point of view, it's, it's not a surprise really, is it? Because everyone wants to play and everyone wants to be a regular starter and everyone wants to to make themselves as available as possible for their country. And so it makes perfect sense that she's moved on to, to where she would have got a lot more guarantee of, of minutes. It's an occupational hazard of being on a top team is you uh, you won't always get to play. And, um, mm. and so, yeah, I guess it's not surprising that that happened. So user questions. Um, our first one is uh, from uh, my good friend Hente from Finland. Um, and uh, and he's, he's putting you to the fire a little bit on this one. Uh, I'm just okay. going to read the question out. As a respected representative of the game as a journalist, why is it that you and your colleagues do not try and seek more responsibility from those at Stockley Park? Fed up reading only criticism of VAR instead of trying to get the people responsible answering to it. We need to understand better. Please make them answer. Uh, any thoughts to that? I mean, it, it's not personal with him and you, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, 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 I suppose... A lot of people they just, see they don't they just don't they don't answer they don't talk publicly it's just it's just the stance isn't it you'll get the you'll get Howard Webb for example who's now running things will every so often will put his head up and do it do some sort of interview but they're not you can't there's no direct lines to them where they'll just publicly talk it's just it just doesn't happen is there is there an attempt I mean are there regular kind of Come on already. Let's, you know, people want to know what happened. I mean, are they, they, I mean, they're they do, being they willfully, it sounds like just indig in, indignant and stubborn and stuck behind their walls as everyone envisions them being, as far as just not, not wanting to explain what's going on. Pretty much. I mean, they do send through an explanation at times, not to us in the written press, but to the, you know, to the broadcasters of potentially why something hasn't been given. Um, especially if it's a real, real controversial one, but it's just, it's nothing new. Referees just don't talk, do they? And VAR's the same. They might not be the referees on the field, but they just they still got to go by the same sort of rules. So it's 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 frustrating, I know, and it's also it feels like everything's inconsistent. But I mean, they're just not going to come out to the media and talk. It's just not going to happen. Can I can I ask you a question on that? Because I think this is kind of what they're hinting at. Could you guys publicly make a statement, for example, saying we reached out for information about asked X, Y, Z questions and just continuously make it public that the fact that they're not reaching out? Or, and this is what I would say, would that sort of action actually blacklist reporters? And maybe the maybe like, you know, there won't be it won't be something public like a public backlash against um, a move like that. But maybe privately they'll tell teams maybe not to speak to reporters that are um, or publications that are going after referees in that way or well, does that not really exist? step in and start uh, start you know affecting the relationship between between media sources and and access i highly doubt it i couldn't imagine that would happen i mean certainly not clubs <laughs> club clubs are, clubs are as annoyed as fans are with the referees and yeah. so they're not it's not going to affect any sort of access with clubs and I, it wouldn't with the premier league either it's just not something that, that that's always a bit of a myth when it comes to the media and you know, if you criticise, mm. you you get blacklisted, and you can, and it just never happens. It's just, I've never known it, it happen unless you someone's got something completely wrong, completely you know, with no substance behind the report whatsoever. You know, if it just it just doesn't happen. It's a bit of a myth 
that it's like i get it all the time it's like oh you can't you don't you won't criticize a club because they'd not let you in or something like that they remove your tea and biscuits yeah no, i've seen oh, you what, get that before and it's what, so unworthy what, you, what you're talking about it's just utter it's like i, I remember the end of emery and you know, I, I just i used to destroy emery and not try and be professional. i still try and be professional about it but it was just you know and you never get any sort of full i know i've never had any sort of fallback from the club for, from it and i don't know anyone else well as long as you you're professional and you keep you know it's it's criticism that is kind of justified and backed up then it's fine i mean if you go out and end up making up stuff about things and maybe oh, sorry oh, Charles, 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 i just Chelsea Charles, I just heard. missed the one on one in the last minute uh, I've just got a message from Unai Emery for you. Still, he's still uh, angry. I'm just so good. Those, <laughs> those, those, the end those last few months, I've just seen his face still just brings it all back. And it's not, and it's not a slight against Unai because he was low, Unai was really nice. He was a lovely guy. Oh, he was very nice. He, and he, he was. He was so he was really good to us as journalists, and I don't want to. There's nothing about his personality, his character, or anything like that. But it was just, it it all it was such a bad fit at Arsenal. By the end of it, it was such a, it was just awful there. And yeah, it was those were dark times. You kind of fast forward, you think where they are now to what it was like in those last few months, and oh, it's just the difference is unbelievable. It really to is. the refs though, because because I, I'm not quite sure we got the we got. I mean, can't. Can can there be a you know we we asked Stockley Park for comment and they declined comment because an accumulation of that to me does start to turn the heat up a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. But. I don't I don't think it would because I just think it's a it's a given that they don't they don't really comment. It's just referees like you don't you don't see referees ruled out in front of the cameras after games to explain their decisions, don't it? It's just it, it doesn't happen. That's just always been always been the way. Um, so I'm not sure it would really put. It would change their opinions too. You just much. need to get think... one of those huge, like parabolic listening devices and just hold it up, and 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 then and then you can report on it. So it would be great. It would be great if they did actually, if we could hear what they're talking about. Yeah, that would just so it solve so many things. Although it's still everyone would still be annoyed because they still they still come to the same decisions. You just hear the way <laughs> you just hear them explaining it wrong, how they've got to those decisions. But um, actually, just, one. One strange question I actually would always want to ask you guys to like see if you would ever put it to the FA. There was a report recently that came out that noted that there are there are actually no black referees above a certain level, and they actually found out that the amount of diversity in the uh, referee um, with the referees is is incredibly non-existent. Matter of fact, I think it's in the like I think in the top two levels, there's only um, there's only white males that are referees. Is that a question? Because we always talk about maybe that there's a bias that builds up in the referees because they're so alike. So these biases um, are the things that we're seeing play out on the field. Is that a question that any journalist would be willing to ask the FA? Like, what are you guys doing as far as diversity is concerned and maybe trying to get different opinions inside of the F um, inside of the the um, referees? I'm sure I'm sure it is. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's a question that's been asked many times by uh, a lot mm. of the, uh, the more sort of broad journalist rather than, you know, me as a club specific Arsenal journalist. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, it is, and it is something that needs to be fixed. It's so uh, obvious and apparent as well that it, there needs to be far more diversity in referees and, and not just referees, football as a whole. Um, but so, yeah, I'm sure. And, I, and I'm positive that is something that has been, that has been uh, put to them many a times, but we're, I'm not sure what the response is, has been on that.
All right, perfect. Thanks. Um, a non-transfer related question from Gunaworks from Bill. Uh, question for Charles: Do you consider Arsenal title favorites? If not, what would need to happen to change your mind? Pick one of those two. Well, just... <laughs> what would need Some to happen? Kind of no matter what, you're going to get clipped. So, Arsenal, Arsenal, to change my mind, for me to consider Arsenal title favorites, Arsenal would have to be. 20 points clear with about five games <laughs> remaining. It's been totally mathematically impossible for Manchester City to catch them. Then I would dare to say that Arsenal are title favourites. But I've not, I, can't, I won't even do a score prediction before a game. I'm so uh, superstitious. So there is absolutely no way you are ever going to hear me say that Arsenal are title favourites at this stage. We're not even halfway through the season. Man City have just won away at Chelsea. And for me, you Manchester literally City just is, said it, though. I mean, yeah. you just said Arsenal are title favourites. I the, no, the context, as you know, no. context context doesn't matter sometimes. Do you, do you think uh, Arsenal are title favorites? I think they can win. I don't think that I, they're I, favorites. I think they. I mean, exactly. People are they like, can, oh, I don't they can definitely they win it. They can definitely win it. But I'm still looking at the gap for the, the to fifth place at the moment more than I'm looking at the gap to Manchester City. Put it that way. I mean, I agree. I agree with both of you. I understand why people would put City as the favorites. I, the only thing that's changing my mind, though, is that when you look on the um, underlying statistics on the pitch, we are actually the best team. We we are actually have the output of the best team in the league right now. Um, the the thing about that though is consistency over a over a longer span of time. Obviously, City have the players that can come in and maintain though that output, and we may uh, and we act as we were talking about it, as the subject of the show is have a large drop off so that we may not be able to man maintain this level of consistency and output. But, but if, if it's just, if our starting 11 is healthy till the end of the year, I actually put us as favorites. They can, they can absolutely win it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Leicester won it. And you know, mm -hmm. this Arsenal team is better than that Leicester team. It's, it's about, it's about <laughs> yeah. continuing them, it's about continuing the momentum. It's about just, and it sounds crap. And, you know, it's such a cliche where managers say one game at a time and Arteta does it all the time. It's like my only focus is next Saturday, but it has to be. If you, you, that's just how Arsenal have got to play it. They've just got to carry on doing what they're doing. I mean, if they get to February fifteenth, Man City, the first Man City game at the Emirates. Before that, they've got Spurs, they've got Man United. Obviously, they've got some difficult games. If Arsenal get to that Man City game and they've still got a sort of five, six, seven point lead, and then they win, they beat Man City. I think that would be the time when you'd really start to get excited and think, you know, they've given themselves one hell of a shot. Yeah, the, the next six weeks are so big in terms of the if you want to consider Arsenal as realistic, you know, proper title contenders. But I still think for me, and maybe it's just me and the way I the way I think and but I still think I still I'm still looking at fifth more than Man City. And that's and, it isn't and again, creeping maybe in your head at all. Oh, it, it isn't creeping in your head at all. Do you start to get the feeling? I do, absolutely, I absolutely. Of course, it does. It'd be impossible not to. And but it's still, you've got to be realistic. You're going up against to win the title. You're going to have to be about 100 points. That's how good you have to be to beat Manchester City to the title. And you think where Arsenal finished last season? You think of their points tallies from last year. Is that it? It just feels like a, a bridge too far. But you never know. And the momentum they've built up so far this season, and they look great. They do. They look. It's a, they've got something about them, this team. And you know, I would have no. I'd, I, I think that, you know, I'd, I wouldn't be worried about playing Manchester City now, put it that way. I'd look, I'd look forward to playing Manchester yeah, City I'm, now, I'm and that, that's, that says it all. I'm looking forward to these next couple of games. I mean, we we should be in every game that we've got. Um, Two-word answer. Uh, who is the best player you've ever watched live? Dennis Bergkamp. Thought that's where we are going to go. Okay, perfect. Um, 
the uh, we've got a couple questions about contract extensions. Anything that, other than what's already been published, we've extended Saliba's a, a, a year. I didn't realize Saka needed to be extended a year. I thought his contract was really kind of always ending in 2024. Um, but uh, any uh, any updates on any of those three? Do you think that they get done before we start the next season? No, well, I would certainly hope so, but um, I've got no updates on it at the moment. They're, they're still talking. Nothing's been agreed. Nothing's been signed. The you know the club is still confident they can get it done. All of the players publicly saying they want to get it done. So you would hope that it, all of them end up in a successful conclusion. But, but as it stands, there's nothing nothing to say it's happening imminently. Speaking of contracts, what about Cedric Suarez? We were having a lot of noise around him possibly joining Fulham recently. We haven't heard as much noise uh, since that initial kind of report. Um, but it is being said that he might be getting shopped around a little. That there are a couple of clubs that might be interested. Do we have any updates or any information on that? There are a few clubs interested in Fulham. Definitely one of them. There's a couple of clubs in Spain that are interested in him. And look, Cedric nearly went in the summer. He decided to stay. I think he felt like he was going to get quite a few opportunities to play. That hasn't happened. I think he'd like, you know, he want to go. He does want to go out and play. He's a, he's a good professional. If you're Cedric Suarez, though, now the situation at Arsenal is, just just think to yourself, I could win the title here. I could get a title winner's medal if I stick around for six six more months and then leave in the summer. It's, it might not be that easy a decision to move. Yes, you want to play, but do you, do you leave a team five points clear of the top of the Premier League halfway through the season? It's a it's a big decision to make um, for me, but. Uh, they're definitely interesting. I expect clubs will will make offers for Cedric over the next couple of weeks, and then then he and Arsenal will, will have a big decision to make. We call that pulling an Alex song, by the way. <laughs> what leaving in the middle? Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Him, him getting a Champions League medal with Barcelona and not playing. Well, and and thinking that that uh, that Puyols is getting ready to hand him the trophy instead of uh, Abidal. <laughs> that, that's the funniest thing I've ever I seen. I still can't. I still can't watch that. I, I, that, I can't watch I it. Think we've even, Charles, I think we've even talked about that before, that like both of us like it's shivers and can't even stand to watch yeah. that. Um, the last question before we go, uh, well, second to last, who was playing against Oxford? I, my answer to this is Arsenal. But I guess the question is with, um, you know, with six days before the uh, between – games with Newcastle and Oxford and then another six or seven maybe five or six between Oxford and, and Spurs do we see a strong side or are we going to finally see the return of ESR are we going to see Vieira what what do you kind of think the tone of the lineup is going to be it'll be a Euro, Europa League type side so you, those players you mentioned there will, I mean I think ESR would be surprised if he doesn't play I'm not sure he'll start but I think we'll probably see you know him at least get half an hour uh, under his belt providing there hasn't been any sort of setback this week in training but then it'll be your Vieira's holding will play you know, El Nenny, Lukonga, um, those sort of players will come in. There'll be a couple because mm. more out of necessity than anything else. Probably Gabriel will play at centre back alongside Holding just to have that left sided centre back. I think Eddie will have to play just because <laughs> there's no one else mm. to play as a central striker. So I think he'll probably play. But other than that, then you're going to have Tierney left back. You'll have Tommy Asu right back, Holding and Gabriel, El Nenny, Lukonga, those sort of players. Maybe Granite will play. Um, because he tends to play, and and, and so yeah, it'll so be very much a Europa League team. Fifteen players, then, is what is what you're here to say today. Then it, it'll uh, be a Europa League. Team. Well, well, when you say that, it, it's interesting that you brought up the thing about Eddie because aren't we in that same situation with Martinelli and Saka too? Like, do do we have anyone else to play there? I mean, obviously, we would shift. Uh, we can shift Vieira out, uh, um, out wide, but he'd be coming in for Odegaard. 
we have the Brazilian, yeah. uh, the young Marquinhos, and I think Vieira. I think Vieira probably would play out wide in this one. I think you'd have probably have El Nene as the holding midfielder, and then maybe Granite and and Sambi as the two number mm. eights in the four three three, and then uh, Marquinhos, Vieira, and Eddie up, up front. Well, that'll be okay. a nil nil and a replay at the uh, at the Emirates in a couple of weeks, which uh, which is great because I'll be around. Um, all right, so we're going to finish off now. We've hit the uh, the ten o'clock hour. Um, we are doing another show after this. It's not in here though. You've got to actually go out and 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 rejoin. It's the uh, the third annual F uh, FA Cup of football phrases. Charles, Charles, you know that I I love these English football phrases that you never hear Americans saying. That's what the bell's about: sixes and sevens, diabolical, all that. Um, and uh, and we're having a tournament this year of ninety teams. And tonight is the preliminary rounds, like the the rounds before the first round proper, where we're gonna we're gonna get uh, twenty six out of fifty two phrases into the field of sixty four where next Tuesday will be judged uh, as to the winners of those 64 by none other than Peter Drury, Lee Dixon, Sophie Nicolau, uh, along with Eric, uh, Jared and myself. And if anyone knows football phrases, it's them. But what is your favorite football phrase? Anything, just something that's so English and you would never hear an American uh, talk about it in sports. I like how you cut I, me I, out of that. I don't know. I, I, you can't put me on the spot like this. I, my head's just going crazy. It's like I'm sitting in back in a GCSE exam. Does this odd flatter to deceive? Uh, flatter is, to deceive, yeah, there's one. Are we ripping up trees? What are we doing here? Six of one, half a dozen of the yeah. other, you know? <laughs> Sixes and sevens, yeah, that's one. Throw it, throw, it in, throw it in the mixer. My favorite, I think I think the second annual tournament winner was Pony. <laughs> like that that game was Pony. And this podcast That's, is Pony. So except for the Charles Watts portion. It's one of my favorite Tottenham eras is when they were sponsored by Pony and they just ran around with <laughs> Pony on their shirt. It's just glorious. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's fantastic. So if you're in the chat, please just uh just exit out and then look for the uh for the new show and join us in there. Or we this might actually take you there when we end. Uh Charles, where can we find you? Uh other than uh at goal.com. Uh I know you've got YouTube, you've got uh your Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, not quite so much. I try, but not so much. But yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and uh yeah, YouTube. Well, I try and, and do, uh, do you do, do the TikTok? Daily. Do you do the no. TikTok? I'm fine. Are there I'm videos out there with, with, with this thing and uh, doing dances? Absolutely we'll film not. some Absolutely of those in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. The, the title parade in May, there you go. There'll be, you can film all there. Char Charles, on your way out, I just want to say once again, thank you so much for not only being on the show, but the, the actual information that you provide for Arsenal. I've been a huge fan for so long. I watch your YouTube like every single morning when you put it out for me because I'm in the States, so it's always in the morning. So I just want to say, like, can, like honestly, man, keep doing what you're doing. It is so impressive, and you've got so much love from the Arsenal fan base. Nice one. Thanks, Aston. Good to meet you. Today for the first Charles, time. Like, why is this guy that I know like really well for the last few years not complimenting me like this guy? I mean, you know, but uh, no, thank you. I look forward to uh, you know to catching some WWE. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that. Hey, it's uh, coming. It's coming to London. Minute money. I know. It's in the summer, summer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have a place to stay. So I uh, we'll, we'll 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 see. We'll see what we can do there. But uh, <laughs> but thanks for joining us, Charles. Appreciate it. And uh, and this has been. The Arsenal podcast, and uh, and it wouldn't be a podcast with Charles if I don't end it off this way. 
Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young